Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to The Black Box. So it's a little bit late, it's long overdue, but we are here once again to talk about the state of the movie industry. And on the line right now, on one end, this gentleman has been on the Black Box a lot. He is now an honorary guest host. He is a, uh, a creator, an artist, uh, also a podcaster, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Julian Lido. Julian, how you doing? What up, people? It's time to get my critic on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, because you're also a movie critic, too. Yeah, on the low low. On the low low, yes. And on the other side um, is a gentleman who always appears on the State of the Movie Industry episode. And ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Joey Alicio. Joey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Cool, cool. Well, let's go ahead and get this started. The thing about the thing about this episode, for like for those that have never listened to any of our State of the Movie Industry episodes, we just talk about random things within the movie industry, our likes, our dislikes. Um, you know, f- film. Just we go everywhere. There is there's a topic list, but we can go off that topic list at any time. But we're gonna go ahead and get this started, and we're gonna do the basic thing first. Um, we're just gonna do roundtable discussion. We're gonna talk about what we actually. Um, what were the highlights of 2012 for us this year as far as the uh, movie industry goes, as far as the movies go and whatnot, um, our favorite films and our unexpected likes? Um, so, uh, you know what? We'll kick it off with Joey. Joey, what you got? Uh, what you want me to go into first? Uh, go ahead and do favorite films first, then move to, uh, then move to uh, you know, unexpected likes. Um, well, the biggest unexpected like, and I think I've talked about this movie here before, but it's still probably in my top five, maybe even top three of the year, was 21 Jump Street. Nice. That clearly was that came out of nowhere. I still think that was actually one of the best films of the year. Um, I try uh, Chronicle. I think that was a that was a big surprise. Um, usually not a fat, too big a fan of the found footage stuff, but I think that was not only probably the best superhero movie of the year, but I think it was actually one of the better films, uh, especially it's an original film. It's not based on anything else, although it does rip from Akira quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff I was surprised by. Um, on my head uh i don't know but other favorites just favorite straight up um arbitrage that was a small film from uh nicholas jarecki um that that i really like that's probably richard Gere's like best performance um perks of be- being a wallflower i was a huge fan of um and even just uh oh seven psychopaths but i already knew that was probably gonna be really good <laughs> um silver linings playbook um and again probably the two more controversial films of the year uh, prometheus and dark knight rises that'd probably be my favorites what about you julian what do you say hmm surprises or favorites oh man what was my what was my i saw yeah yo i gotta give y'all a little i saw 60 films this year so now i'm trying to go back between the whole year and, and think one surprise for me was Contraband, and that came out in January, because mm. I wasn't expecting the movie to be good at all, but Giovanni Ribisi was hilarious in it. <laughs> um, like, he was really funny. Like, he, he said some standout lines in that movie, and it was a pretty good heist movie. <sighs> My favorites, all right, Dark Knight Rises. All, I actually almost teared up a little bit at the end. 
Oh, I've cried every time. So like, like that. <laughs> Nothing that, to be ashamed of. Like that joint. I, I once I dared somebody to come to me in the con. It challenged me over that movie, yo. That that movie, ooh, Joseph Gordon on the little lift going up in the bats. There's nothing, there's nothing hotter. Um, Skyfall. Yeah. I was not expecting to get that from Sam Mendes. I've been disappointed by Sam Mendes on his last three films. I've been disappointed in every one of his films. So, <laughs> I, well, actually, I kind of like Revolutionary Road, but still, I had some disappointment. But man, yo, that Skyfall, that was a whole nother level. I wasn't. It was like modern, but it was also like old at the same time. It was a, it was a manly movie. It was just all around good. I know the things you could do when you take the Dark Knight and just put another character in it. Oh, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. <laughs> it wasn't the same. Uh, the, um, uh, I like the Master. Um, Is that the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie? That yeah, that's that is the movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman, Yo- um, Joaquin Phoenix, and Amy Adams. Basically, c- considered the Scientology movie. Hmm. That has some of the most beautiful uh, cinematography in any film out in 2012. Maybe it last like five years. The acting, all just completely off the chain. Like, I I don't even know. Like, it didn't get a it didn't get any best picture nods or anything really. But at least it's getting some good acting nominations because that's what's really that's what really was stood out. Again, like Joey said, Twenty One Jump Street might actually still be like the best overall comedy of the year. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I saw anything funny at Twenty One Jump Street. Like my throat was hurt or was hurting. Pause. It was. It was. It was really great. There's some movies I miss. Another surprise was um the raid. Oh yeah, the raid redemption. Yes, yes, yes. The raid is like, it's insane. It's a video game, like a 1987 video game. Like on screen, it's so brutal, but it's so dope. I think that's. Oh yeah, I also really, 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 really like Prometheus. Preach. I love that movie. Great movie. I love that movie. And people, I don't, I don't even get what I don't even have to hate. Like, oh no, man. Well, it's a movie know. about what people are actually doing to it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I think that that's what they don't like about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and we and we're gonna definitely get into that discussion later on for sure. Um, Call it Prometheus Talk Part Two. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And it's, it's gonna be about Prometheus and a couple other movies too. We're gonna we're gonna go heavy into that. We're gonna go all in on that. Um, did you have like any other movies? Yo, there I, was a couple I, I forgot. Maybe they might have been on like Argo. I forgot yeah, to mention that go. one. There you go. I missed um, Argo. And um, just a couple things at the end of end the of year. watch. End of watch. That was that was actually really. That's good. on my list. See, I missed. Um, missed that. And, Dread, Dread, actually, I forgot. That's the other that's, great that's superhero on, movie of the year. That's on my list too. That, yeah. Oh, Beast of the Southern Wild. Oh. That shit was amazing. That movie, that film was amazing. Now, are you surprised it wasn't nominated for any of Golden Globes? I don't care. Okay. Golden Globes lost my respect. No Mad Men on that list. Fuck that damn award show this year. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 was. You know, another surprise for me: Seeking a Friend at the End of the World. That was the most quirkiest, cutest, surprising romantic comedy I've seen in some time. Nice. Oh, one more surprise was um Sinister. With I thought that was going to be terrible, but I actually really liked it a lot. No, that's the Ethan Hawke horror movie, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's probably the best horror movie in a long time. Like it kind of fucks the ending up, but the rest of the movie is actually really good. Okay. All right. See, like I, I saw a trailer for that when I saw Dread, and like I'm not a big horror fan, so I was like, y'all can keep that. So- There's a scene in that with um. I think actually probably the the 
something that again you know sean you know i'm a huge horror guy yes. it takes a lot to bother me in any way mm-hmm. but there was one there's one scene in it because the whole movie uses this found super eight footage yeah and there's one scene in that involving a lawnmower that uh, kind of burned into my brain for a long time. Mm. I don't think I'll unsee that. <laughs> but uh, uh, but that, that movie, I was really surprised by it. And it was a really, actually a really low budget. It was like a couple million on, like they just kind of came out of nowhere. I was really surprised at how good it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it, they uh, spent, they spent three million bucks on it. And I think like worldwide in domestic, it made 47 million, 47.9 million in the States. It, I mean, yeah. Domestic forty seven point nine, overseas two point three million. So I mean that's a profitable film, and it wasn't like it really cost a lot of money to advertise. And it was actually pretty well reviewed. It was uh, wasn't, yeah, it had good ratings. Oh, yeah. My bad, it got good reviews. All the people I knew who saw it liked it. Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I saw a lot of bad horror movies this year. Oh yeah, oh, we're gonna get to the bad. We're gonna get to the bad. We're gonna get to the bad. But let me um. Let let me let me spit at some of my my favorite movies this year. Now, some of my favorite movies are the movies that a lot of people either a didn't talk about or b didn't make a lot of money. Like Dread, I thought Dread was fantastic. Now, some people are going to say there are a lot of uh, familiarities between Dread and The Raid, but to me, those are two separate movies altogether. It all goes back to New Jack City. Yep. So it don't really matter. <laughs> exactly. Both movies are based off New Jack City. Yes. So. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Then, but um, I did like Dread. I liked the the, um, the art direction. The, c- oh, the cinematography. That's the best digital cinematography. I maybe ever. I agree hundred percent. And the thing is, like, I- he actually made a way to you to make the slow motion kills a part of the story, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. And see, I saw that in three D. And and like I'm not a big 3D fan, but that was one of the first movies that I ever seen in 3D where the 3D actually worked. So I was really pleased with Dread. Now you know it's a shame that it didn't make it didn't really make any money, but um I, I'll say I still liked it uh, nevertheless. It, it, made, it made a good deal of money overseas, I think though. Uh, I think it made its money back. Yeah, anyway. it, it only made 17 million overseas, dude. It wasn't an expensive movie. Though. Cost cost 50 million bucks. Okay, prove me wrong. All right. Oh no, no, no. I can say I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to step on you. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like, it, it made thirty million in the box office worldwide. Cost fifty to make slash advertise. So on in like DVD sales or not DVD. I think Blu-ray. that'll be one of those like cult movies in yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. I think people were just so thought it was the Sylvester Stallone thing. Yeah. And like, why are they remaking that and then didn't see it? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But like, like I, I heard that so many times for people, and I was like, well, you know what? There's it's based on something else. Right. Oh, no doubt. Other films I like, I like. I loved Haywire. I thought Haywire was fucking incredible. I don't care what anybody says. That's Haywire is technically from last year. Well, no, Haywire. I thought that was January. Well, it premiered last year. It premiered last year. Okay. You okay? I, yeah, it was. I'm very, it I'm very, very, very anal retentive about that release date. Okay. No, no problem. No problem. That's fine. Yeah, you know, see, it says here release date January twentieth, two thousand twelve. Good movie, though. I will agree with you there. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Haywire. I thought it was a really good film. Um, you know, because it's, it's like it's a straight up it's a straight up spy movie. It's not you know, one of those like over the top action films. It's just it's it's gritty. But at the same time, it's well paced, it's well shot, um, you know. But it's Steve Soldenberg, so what do you expect? Um, but I thought it was a really good movie that people just didn't go see. Um, another film, End of Watch. I thought End of Watch was great. I thought Killing Them Softly was great. Um, yeah, I liked that a lot too. Um, you know, I thought you know Twenty One Jump Street. I, I walked into Twenty One Jump Street. It was like the biggest surprise for me when my wife and I went to go see it. We walked in thinking this is probably going to be bad, and. I had tears coming out of my eyes and something. You know, I was just crying. 
because I was laughing so much at that movie. And and this is coming from. I remember I remember us having a conversation about that like right before it came out, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know, Sean, I got a good feeling about this one. And you're like, well, good luck with that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I had my doubts, man. I had my doubts. I remember I saw it. I'm like, Sean, you got to see this. Yeah. You got to see this. Oh yeah, and and that movie actually changed my view on Channing Tatum because I remember after seeing that, then that, this was this was the year of Channing. Tatum. Sure was. Sure was, man. Man became so popular, <laughs> you know. They put they reput him back in GI Joe Retaliation. Um, but. He should have never been. He shouldn't. Whatever, man. Like I still think that he was always in the movie, mm-hmm. and they they just didn't want to face that Batman Juggernaut in July Yo, or yeah. June, whatever the hell. I agree. Whatever. Channing Tatum is a beast. I'm following him since fucking Step Up and Coach Carter. Yes, that's my man right there. <laughs> hey, you ever seen um? Oh God! Guide to recognizing our saints. Yes, yes, he was. was awesome. damn good I, in that. I said, I'm like, he was awesome in that, and he was never kind of in anything that great since then. But I think this year he finally picked good projects again. But um, nothing against Step Up oh, and stuff. Hey, hey, man, no, but like flicks like Looper, Looper was fantastic. Fucking love that movie, and I argue with people here in town about it all the time. Fucking love Looper. Looper. Was good, but I don't think it lived up to the hype around it. Not, like people saying it's the best film of like the last five years, I don't agree with that. Well, that's a bold that, statement. That's a real thing. Yeah, that, that, seen it all over the place. Like, like people that love that movie love it. Like they think it's the greatest thing ever made. And I was like, it was good, but I mean, I don't know. I didn't love it that much. No, I, I loved it. It's not the it's not the greatest film of the last five years, in my opinion. But I love that movie. Look, it looked so cheap to me. It looked like it fucking like they shot it on like a vivid porn set or something. <laughs> like and like the uh, not vivid, not vivid. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, vivid's the best at least with their with their, with their parody movies. So come on. Uh, but I'm just saying, but it looked like it, was, it looked like it was one of those movies. Like they made it on one of those sets, and they shot again. I was sh- really shocked it was shot on 35 millimeter because it did not look like it. It was like huh. a, they had. A, really sh- glossy like, lens flare look to it all i don't know again i liked it but i and even that like joseph gordon levitt like who i'm a huge fan of and he's great in the movie but like he kind of looks like um james dean like the porn star and uh and um what's her name <laughs> emily one actually looked like kimberly kane the porn star so that was really so i think there was a whole porn thing that movie. I, thought, I don't think was intended but i don't know it was like that it was very distracting Mm. Yo, you just putting it out there. They're going to make an idea now. They're going to make that Looper Triple X, yo. Oh, yeah. That's it. Wouldn't it be hard, man? They basically made the blueprint out, so. No, and like other other films. <laughs> <laughs> other films that surprised me, like Magic Mike. I have it. I have it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, me either. I really want to see it because it's Soderbergh. Yeah, and it's like, you know, hey. You know, Magic, Magic Mike was tight, but like the movie, I think that really, I shouldn't say caught me by surprise because I, I, I should have known it was going to be good, was Moonrise Kingdom. I, That's my shit. I love that movie. I, I love that film. Dropkick somebody for that movie. I love that movie so much. You know, Julian, weren't you the one telling me that that was like they combined like uh, Kirby's uh, Newsboy <laughs> Legion or something like that? <laughs> yeah, dude, because the, the little kids, they all got their old little. <laughs> The old little thing, like one got the army hat, <laughs> one got the little special jacket. It was like, it's like a Kirby comic, but they're in camp, and then it's Romeo and Juliet. And this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Edward Norton was real good in it, too. And, you know, I, I got He was sweet. I ain't seen a sweet Edward Norton in a long time. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. So, yeah, those um, those were like my mo- movies that I enjoyed and surprises. Yeah, stuff, you know, Dark Knight Rises was on the list for sure. Skyfall. Um, really, really dug Skyfall. I've had, you know, people complain that they said it was more of a movie about M. I was like, no. Well, don't you? Isn't she allowed to have one movie? Exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm like, this was her swan song anyway. I'll say this about Skyfall, though. I do think that's the best um, Bond girl in ages. Oh, what, but, what's sorry. her name? See, now I can't. And I, I can't remember her name. Bernice. Bernice. Mar- Marlowe. Bernice Marlowe, I think. I can't. I cannot remember her name for the life. I think it's Mahale or something like that. Whatever. The real Bond girl in that film is M. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, you got you got a new Money Penny. You you know, you end up with a new M. I just, oh, just Money Penny. That's the color of a penny. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> there was one of the films surprised, but I didn't get to see the end of it because um, I went to see it when we didn't have power. Then not better do. Um, and that was uh, Cloud Atlas. But it, um, I it's a three-hour-long movie, and I made it to two and a half hours, and then the, they had a power surge and it cut out, so I never got to see the last half hour of it. But really, I know, I know that was a movie that people hate, but I, I really actually enjoyed when I saw it. Like, it was, it's pretty good. I don't even understand why people hate on it. It's, it's not the greatest thing ever, but it's not bad. Um, it's pretty good. What and what other movie do you see? Fucking like a hardcore like Hugh Grant. <laughs> fucking cutting people's heads off and shit like fucking leading the tribe like that was nuts that was, that they was should, get a spot. should get a best of spot just based on that alone yeah. too many people got caught up in the flack that um people were playing people the, the whole like oh no a white person plays an Asian person they got too caught up in that but the fact is that he's supposed to be the same person and he all like Holly Berry played a Chinese man and she also played a white Jewish woman and like there was so many characters play so many different races and genders that like yeah you guys just make a controversy for no reason also I think like everything the Wachowskis do now I think kind of like really at least well I know people didn't learn from Speed Racer which was excellent and then everybody bashed the fuck out of it like the week it came out didn't make any money now people, the same people are like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think it's going to be sim- maybe not to the same with that because that's not, it's not as fun, quote unquote fun, I guess, as Speed Racer is. But it's an interesting movie. Like, it's at least ambitious. Like, I don't see how anyone could at least give it credit for that. Yeah. yeah. Yo, yo, I, I, I got that three disc uh, Speed Racer Blu-ray, Blu-ray for $3 a couple months ago. What? I envy you right now. I'm so salty you got that. No. <laughs> I got that off eBay because then nobody give a damn about it, and um, yeah. Yeah, but they screwed. They screwed that release though. They didn't put the right sound on it. Really now? Yeah, it's the same sound as a DVD. Oh, I don't care about that. It still looks nice. You gotta care. Come on, you can't hear the cars in lossless audio. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> there's some things I can let go. I pay for a Blu-ray. I want to hear the cars in lossless audio. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh. Well, he paid three dollars. So paid three dollars. Doesn't that, give a damn. Yeah, the, pic, the picture, the transfer is pretty tight. It's like five yeah. out of five. So yeah, yeah you, you guys got. I, I can, I can let that go. We're gonna do the worst of as well, um, or just lo- like lows, like you know your di- <laughs> your dislikes or disappointments, or just issues with the business. It can be either or. You can make it a, a, a gumbo if you want. I don't care how you do it. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to start with Julian on this one, and then we'll kick it to Joey, and then we'll come back to me. So, Julian, you got this. Yo, every horror movie besides, I haven't even seen it, Cabin in the Woods and Sinister were fucking pieces of shit. Hmm. And I had to sit through, like, most of them. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with fandom. But it has nothing to do with the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know what? I don't know. There's just there's some bad movies out there, and there's some good movies. 
And I, I what I guess what I didn't like, I guess, is the the I guess the Avengers it's the Avengers effect that we're having now. This was the year that I officially got tired of the superhero movie. Hmm. Did over like, it's like I'm and it's not even totally the the superhero movie, but it's the fact is like, yo, these motherfuckers gonna start putting continuity into this shit. I'm out. Like Avengers uh, Amazing Spider Man I thought was terrible. I was very, very, very salty. Yeah, I know. I know you were salty about Amazing Spider-Man. We had like long talks about that, over like you know, like direct message talks about it. Like I was. The <sighs> thing with Amazing Spider-Man though is, I actually do think um, it's casted better. The leads are casted better. Like I like them as those characters, but the movie doesn't really have much going for it. Oh, I hate it so much. But um, <laughs> that much? Wow. Yo, I can it's. See- it's, I it's saw not, it. It was one of those things where I saw it, and I, I again, I never really loved the Raimi ones, even though I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan. Like, I never just really liked that take on Spider-Man. I always thought he knocked it out of the park with like the supporting players, like J. Jonah Jameson. Like, he'll never cast that better, right. and like a lot of that stuff. But I never liked Tobey Maguire because, like, I never liked them as those characters. I really found it very interesting, so I didn't feel any blasphemy or anything. I don't think that's even where you're coming from, um, but. It's just like I, I could see it was one of those things I saw and I'm like that was all right and then I never thought about it again after that. Yeah, I was I was salty. I wasted I wasted hard earned money. I wasted time. Nothing disappointed me more more than that whole movie. Did you see it? Because I find it hard to believe that anything could disappoint me. No, actually, all right. First of all, yeah, because I did see Savages and at least I got to see people kill motherfuckers with um. Day the dead mask on, and I got to see some high being fine. Yeah, like I, I, I'm not saying Savages is a good movie, but it didn't fail me on every single level. But, but fucking Oliver Stone wrote what may be the greatest gangster movie ever made. He should be able to make this shit in his sleep, and it was still awful. So I don't know. Maybe Scarface is, holds a special place in my heart. So I can't. Someone involved with Scarface made Savages. I found that ridiculous. Well, Scarface was he was adapting, he was remaking a previous movie, and he was using all these cool ass politics. Whatever. I love Scarface, but yeah, I don't know. Savage again. If I had to put it, I'm putting Savages a lot above Amazing Spider-Man because it, it, to me, Amazing Spider-Man broke the Spider-Man concept. Because you made Peter Parker into a fucking douchebag and he learns no fucking lessons. Goddamn reason to Spider-Man is you, he learns some shit. It's like a goddamn Aesop's fable for 20th century America. And he learns nothing at the end of the story. He does not. Okay. See, I don't want to turn this. Other stuff. I didn't you see. Know what? I would disagree with you if I could remember anything about that movie, but I can't. So. I remember it. I remember <laughs> it like it was fucking yesterday. I guess that I, says it all. Thing. Is that it burns into my brain like a bad, bad, bad Spider-Man comic book. It never leaves. Um, that's really those are the two things. Like this, there's a bunch of bad movies, but the worst movies I saw were badly made horror movies. And guess what? Most of them all had to do with found footage. So yeah, like that. That's it. Found footage. Bad ones. Bad remakes. Um, I saw the Red Dawn remake. Man, that had, that had been sitting in the can for a couple of years too. Yeah, 2009, I think is how it was when it was. But, um, yeah, that that that's like really, if you really wanted to ever like you know write an essay on things that need like why was this made or like really like a pointless remake where really it doesn't have any real relevance today. And again, say what you want with the original Red Dawn, but it's an entertaining film. At least it, it has 
you know, it, it sticks. It's what's the word I want to use? It, I don't know. It owns what it's doing at least. Like it totally gives into that concept. It's, it's compelling at times. Like, but you know, maybe it has an agent as well. But it's still an interesting movie. Uh, this is one of those like really cynical has no point remakes it doesn't really make a lot of sense um there's, there's some ter- I, you really think like there would be a product placement scene in red dawn <laughs> like that was the thing i thought was like, well, i don't know it, again like whatever what's his name chris hensworth i guess like i clearly see i guess why he's the the act he's gonna be the new uh, i guess action guy or whatever like i guess he fills that role pretty well but there was nothing i don't know there was nothing interesting about that movie so i'd probably it, I guess it's competently made in some areas as an action film, but it's, I don't know, it, it's baseless. It has nothing going on. Um, one, one, I know one movie that, uh, Sean, I know you talked about, you're really excited about, I was really disappointed with, was uh, Safe House. Mm, okay. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see Safe House, and I was cool with Safe House until the last 15 minutes. Last 15 minutes, I was furious. I mean, furious with the last 15 minutes. I, but um, I like the film up up through there. I like that film. And I felt like um, it was like it was like a Tony. It was it was a Tony Scott movie, like without Tony Scott. Yes, yes, it was. It was it was, it was like Tony Scott would have owned that movie. It would have been a classic. That under the hands of uh, I don't remember the director's name, but it was I don't know. It just didn't. Have, there was something missing to it where I'm like, this should be more interesting than it is. That's all I could think the whole time, and it wasn't. I don't know. There was nothing interesting, memorable, captivating about it. I'm trying to think what else. The director was Daniel Espinoza. Yeah, I think it was a first time director too. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There, there was there was but yeah, I don't know. That that'd probably be that'd probably be on the worst list for me. Okay. Um. I don't know, there was a, it wasn't even like I saw a lot of terrible movies. I saw a lot of disappointing ones, though. Mm. Like, where I was like, oh, this could have been better. Um, like, The Dictator, for example. Like, that could have been a lot funnier than it was. But it does have one, like, really funny scene at the end, but that was about it. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make myself go see that. There's something about when these, like, type of Sasha Baron Cohen films, I think he is a funny person. But as soon as I saw the trailer, I had no interest it's all it's he's on autopilot though basically like it's not it's not I don't, it, yeah he puts his all into it i guess and doing the characters but um the point he ultimately makes doesn't it doesn't feel worthy of the ride kind of like borat did i guess okay see and borat I, borat was the type of film i liked but after i watched it once i never need to watch it again there was there's never a desire yeah. for me to go back to it's it not a rewatch movie it's it's one you see in a theater with people and then you don't see it again yes. um I think what else? Uh, I thought um, it hurts me to say it, but I thought Man with the Iron Fist was pretty disappointing. See, I love I love that movie. I know it it drags within the second act, and the second act drags pretty heavy. But because of my love for old school Shaw Brother films and the fact that it does its best to follow that template. And for all the quote unquote treats that I got in watching the film, including the appearance of Gordon Liu as the Abbot. Oh yes, yeah, like, that alone for, made me happy with that part of the movie. For me, like, oh sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Julian. Nah, nah, keep on going. I was just like, that was that was it, man. Yeah. Gordon Liu's the Abbot. Yeah, and then, like it became full circle because you know because Gordon Liu in, in like the original like Thirty Six Chamber films, he was the one trying to learn, and now he's the Abbot now in in this film. Um, I know that the film itself is not that is not that good. I know it's not, but there's it brings me so much joy because it brings me back to the type of martial arts film 
that I used to watch when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, and I even buy now through Dragon the Dragon Dynasty collection. And because it's made in that template, it has it holds a special place for me. Um, yeah, there are issues with that film. I'll be the first to tell you. There are a good number of issues with that film. There's a lot of stuff that technically isn't really explained, and I'm not saying you have to explain everything to me, but there's a couple of just things where you just kind of have to take a leap of faith and just you know, say you understand in order to move on within the story because first on first and foremost, it's the man with the iron fist, but it's not even really technically about him. He builds weapons for everybody, but it's more about, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember the character's name right now because I don't have the list of characters. It's about a lot of the other characters. Then it's this dude with the iron fist. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, who gets drawn into this, into this uh, battle between the... Um uh, the, the the head of the thing's son right. and his number one dude who betrays him. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just like he do caught in the middle and like brass body. Like I love that movie because it, it felt like one of the middle. The, not like the 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 comfort movies you just just watch just because you just kind of like it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really. It's like yo, that shit ain't no the big balls. No, no, no. It's no five deadly venom. No, no. But you be like. Yeah, that joint was all right. Yeah, like, yeah, like, it was, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Like, That's what I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on a worst list. Mm-hmm. I was just disappointed because I was very excited for it. Oh yeah, and I just felt like in some places there was a lot of rookie mistakes, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. He's a, that's a first, and I, I admire that. You know, he didn't go. He could have his first directing gig could have been something really simple. And like, I think I liked that it. it was something a lot more ambitious, but right. I don't know, just some of some of like some of the fights too, like some of the scenes are just very weirdly staged. I thought like the way their shots were framed and stuff was just really odd. Like the, like the action was off to the side and it wasn't in the, like, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. There's some certain like little actor things that I was just, I don't know. never really clicked with me, but it was those things where you want to walk out of that movie pumped to go watch it again. And I was just kind of like, uh, it was okay. I want like, to that's not really in the face. You <laughs> say so you want to punch somebody in the face? Yeah, I want to actually get into a fight. I was like, let's go. I'm going to fucking bust out some techniques, you know? You know what I'm saying? 37th chamber, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> it, it, you know, but, but it did some neat stuff. I mean, like how they kind of like in a way talked about like acupuncture and like all the points on the body and things like that. They would get into like this cool shit for a second and then they would just take you right out of it. And I hated that. That I didn't. That I did not like. But some things that I have read and got into discussions with, um, my you know friend John had told me that the original cut of Iron Fist was like damn near three hours, and and then Tarantino and Roth got together with Rhythms like, yo, you got to cut this. And so then he cut it again. He took it back to them. He's like, no, you guys switch this up, change this up, move this up. So th- this is the end piece that you get. And it makes me wonder what the original cut was actually like. And 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 the whole thing with like RZA and his acting, like, because a lot of people give RZA shit about his acting. And I actually like him as an actor. I just I just didn't think that was his best work. No, I didn't think that was his best work either because I saw him in American Gangster. I thought he was great in American Gangster. And I've seen him in other stuff. I'm like, yeah. This- I like him in Funny People. It yeah. really has like one scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was good. He's good. And I know he can act. And I'm like, in the, in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe it's because he's handling the roles of like, you know, being a producer, a director. You know, he's looking over the script. He's trying to make these changes. He's trying to get approvals and all this other stuff that something's going to slack somewhere. And in that case, in a way, it was, you know, in some spots, it was the acting. So, you know, so like I said, I'm not making excuses for it. I still enjoy it. I didn't think it was the greatest thing on the planet Earth, but I still had fun. And that's what I wanted out of that. I said, if, if you can just give me fun, I'm good. So, but I'm sorry, Joey, I interrupted you, please. If you had anything else, go ahead. I'll let you basically covered it. All right. All right, cool. Um, 
my my take as far as disappointments or dislikes or um, or issues. One of my major issues really came to the forefront in the movie industry this year, and I and I hope and I hope it kills anybody trying this again in the future. Battleship. That movie should have never been greenlit. Should never been made. It should never been released. And it did well overseas. Did not fare well in the states. But I really hope that Hasbro learned a lesson because I kind of hope like Julian really loves Battleship, but he's going to argue with you because I think it's going to be really irritating. <laughs> I refuse to see it. I <laughs> And and that's the whole thing because I know people are going to say that you know well you shouldn't judge a movie until you watch it and I'm like, no I think you can sometimes and I, there's just there was nothing that appealed to me to see that at all and I was just I just said why and you know and stuff like that makes me worry about you know I mean and granted the movie business has done dumb shit before too see Super Mario Brothers the live action movie but um it has its moments. <laughs> Okazamo oh. brought some brought some weight to that role. Um, I think. T- 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 no, no, we're not going to go there right now. We're not going there right now. But um, the Mathis, good princess. No, I think. St- stop it. See, see, see. <laughs> stop it. See, you try to start shit. Hey, that film had some. It was fucking. It, it had its eye. It had some good social commentary in that movie. It's saw a lot coming. I think. But go it, back. To it. But go back. It, it's still bad. It's still bad. But no, um, stuff like that had to stop. Um, remakes. You know what? Here, like my take on remakes has always been this: like if you're gonna do it, do it fine. You know, if you're gonna do it fine, but it better be a hell of a lot better than the first one, uh, than the original. And like Total Recall, a movie that people gave gave a lot of shit to Colin Farrell for. I tell you what, it really wasn't that bad, but it still isn't anything to make me say this is an awesome movie. But visually, oh, nah, son, it's beautiful. Nah, son, I wanted oh, I wanted to stab somebody in the throat when I walked out of that screening. Mm. That's I think that was the only movie that wasn't a, a horror movie that I gave like on one star. Wow! To. I, I think I got the side I wrote for like Mad Hits that day, mm. just cause like yo I shitted on that movie. That movie is to yo I li- they fucked that up. I like the visuals, but every like the story visuals look terrible. Though. Thought the visuals look trailer I saw anyway. I thought the visuals in the film looked great, um, but the story is bad. The story is very bad. But like visually, I was like, okay, this is visually satisfying, but there is no story behind this. And they did fuck a lot of shit up. I think my biggest problem, and I think a lot of it just has to do, it has to do more with the general audience than it does with uh, more of the business. I need people to start realizing, and this is something that I'm going to talk about later. January is no longer, well, almost, it's no longer the shit month for movies anymore. This is a full-year business. This has been a full-year business. No, that would be May through August. <laughs> this is a full-year business now, okay? This is a full-year business. It used to be many, many, many years ago in January, all the studios got together and said, let's do a crappy movie contest. Or oh, we can top you. We can top you. We can top you. That's no longer the case. For like at least the last four years, there has been at least one, one to two films that you know just blow up the box office. And now, you know, these movie studios are putting legitimate films on in January. So I need to stop. I need people to stop saying that January is the automatic shit month. Yeah, there's still going to be shit movies. But guess what? There's going to be shit movies every month, period. That's just how the business is. There's great movies, good movies, and shit movies. That's how it's always going to go. It's a year-round thing. That's not a one-month thing anymore. So stop it. The other thing is there were a lot of films this year. You know, had underwhelming box office receipts, and sometimes, once again, the general public, when they when they see that a movie has underwhelming box office receipts, they will just dismiss it. And I think they missed out on a lot of good movies this year. Um, you know, like I said, films like Dread, um, films like Frankenweenie, which um, 
I, you know, which I, I want to say, yeah, Frank and we, you know, Cloud Atlas, Tim Burton, only great in black and white. So, um, uh, Premium Rush, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I saw Premium Rush and I liked it. Yeah, Premium Rush, I actually liked. That was like, uh, you know, what it reminded me of like something they would have put out like right after like Speed in the nineties, mm-hmm. like for for younger people. Yes. Like, so, like, but I, I think I was, I think that was what was cool about it. Yeah, it totally felt like a nineties movie in a good way. Yeah, I really dug Premium Rush, and and the whole thing about it is, is that you know we. Like the way this whole, not shouldn't say whole, but the way so many people, you know, treat the film, treat films now is, is that if it doesn't make money, it's not worth seeing. And I'm like, you should go see it if it interests you. You shouldn't have to worry about the box office in order to gauge whether you'll like this movie or not. So that is my problem. That's my issue as a whole, because like I said, there are a lot of good, there are a lot of good movies. I think they're out there that people just passed up on. You know, and there's a lot of movies that like that needed to be made. They may not have been the best movies, but they needed to be made in order for other films to be made in the future. Red Tails. I know a lot of people give that film shit, but the thing is, that movie needed to be made in order for other films, not you know, not like Red Tails, but for other films with a majority black cast to be put out there in the near future. You know what I'm saying? And people gave Lucas a lot of shit. And yes, there are issues with the story. I'd be the first to tell you this, Joy. You and I talked about it on this podcast before, but I still like that movie, and I'm glad it got made. You know, it was better than a lot of other stuff I saw this year. That is true. Yeah, and I got Lucas went hard in the paint. He did the press circuit on that. Mm-hmm. Yo, oh yeah, he did the press. Got a lot of respect for him. He did the press circuit because 20th Century Fox sure as fuck wasn't gonna do it. Of course, and you know that. That's why he got the billions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, man. But, uh, but yeah, that joint re-endeared me to George Lucas. Yeah. So like, I I got I got respect for I got respect for Lucas for that. So although he did something that really disappointed me this year, which. <laughs> oh boy. I'm sure you shed a tear over that too. Uh, what was that? Him selling Star Wars? As now it's I don't know I'm kind of bummed about that nah, I ain't worried about it dog I ain't worried about it I'm for real nah, so I was happy I was cheering I was like that's right be free son be free <laughs> well if that from that aspect like I could see it yeah. but I always just loved that the biggest property was creator owned yeah like the biggest property in the world was a creator owned property I always thought was awesome but if the fans did hate so much maybe he would never sold it I, I think that's true yeah, too. I agree goddamn haters <laughs> you know because I'm telling you man when he when he sold Lucasfilm to uh, to Disney, uh, like I said, I talk with Julian about it, talk with friends about it, and like that one line that kept replaying in my head is from Bobby Brown's "My Prerogative." When everybody gave Lucas so much shit over these prequels, I don't care if you like them, I don't care if you love them, I don't care if you hate them, they gave him so much shit, but still wanted more stuff. He just got fed up, and it's just like, look, I made this money, you didn't. I can do what I want to do. And he just said, and he just said, you know what? The thing I'm waiting for though is when they do the whenever this Disney version comes out, and then like a year or two from that, you just hear the same people like, you know, it was just so much better when this was with Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) You just know it's gonna happen. People are not gonna. Everybody's not happy with shit after like a year. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter that like you know they got Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan to come back. It doesn't matter who directs these movies. They could be top notch directors or whoever. And that's all. Another problem I got. Listen, I don't need to know every every goddamn five minutes on who said no to directing Star Wars or who might be directing this movie or who might be directing that movie. You know what? Just hit me up when somebody is signed on the dotted line. I, I don't need to hear rumors anymore. You know what? That shit's tired. Uh, it's just it's beyond tired. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of it. Just just stop it.
And I think this is actually something that needs to be talked about. And Joy had emailed me back on this and before I hop on other topics. You talked about um, that something needs to be talked about is the um, the, the quote-unquote death of 35-millimeter film and the fallacy of digital projection. I need you to elaborate on this for me, sir, because I think like a lot of the view, viewing audience doesn't understand unless they're told that you know a majority of theaters are either going towards digital or they're half film, half digital, or they're all digital. And I don't. Some of them don't really recognize, don't really understand the difference between all that stuff. So, um, if you could elaborate on this death of thirty-five millimeter and uh, fallacy of digital projection, please elaborate. Okay. Well, basically, over the course, I don't know, I'd say, what year did digital projection really kick in? Two thousand eight. Was that when it really started? Like where I started seeing it advertised. I, I know they had digital projectors as early as like 99 2000 but they were I remember weren't. 2007 or shit or so yeah but I yeah that's I think that's about when it started to kick in and then when it kind of took started to take hold I think like 2010 is where I started to not see film projectors much at all and then this past year is where it's been I have one theater that still has it um and they're my close now because of this whole thing um but basically it's digital projection is basically you know they're you're dealing you're dealing and showing digital files or they send you these things called dcp digital cinema projections and um it's just that's it's it's just a digital way to project film that in itself is not a bad thing but what i was saying basically at the cost to me of projecting 35 millimeter like if we're going to just choose one or the other i think that that's a problem and i think it's a problem too that because of this whole thing now because all these um these film house whatever film uh development houses whatever they don't want to they don't want to develop film anymore um you're going to see basically i think probably within the next year or two you're not gonna be able to even shoot on film anymore mm. and like to me i just think this is i think that's a terrible thing and also i don't know a lot of the the whole thing about people i said you know digital projection would be cheaper um i know from plenty of people that run theaters and stuff that it's actually been quite the opposite actually because these all this technology has to be updated every couple of years Mm -hmm. so you have theaters taking out these huge loans that they can never they're hoping just to pay back in sales and then by the time they get close to that you have what happened just right now now they're like oh now you need to get these 48 frame per second projectors so they need to take out a huge loan that's bigger than all the money they have to get that a couple years something else is going to come along and you're going to see i believe within the decade you're going to see a lot of you know, majority of theaters probably close if they keep going down this route as opposed to a projector which has been the same way it's been pretty much since the dawn of the projector pretty much there's been little improvements but you know also if a uh, you know if a projector breaks down you can fix it um, a lot of this stuff i mean is going to become obsolete within a couple of years like i don't think you're still using your computer from you know 1998 um, you know so this stuff is going to have to be updated a lot i don't think people actually realize the cost that might kind of, might actually be the death of cinema at some point. We, yeah, I, actually, yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it's a it's a point of fact that when I go to a movie theater, especially on the screening, I'm gonna set, I'm I'm going to see uh, basically somebody just play a file. It's like I'm just watching a big ass DVD. It's not even that. I'm like it's like when I let's say I pirate a movie and I just hit play. That's what I'm watching on screen. I actually one time I saw it. It popped up. I saw the windows. And it was a DVD, right? It, it wasn't even a DVD. It was straight up. It was a file. I saw the double click. <laughs> it's like so, uh, I think Tarantino dubbed it TV in public. I think that's what he. I think that's what he called it. Yeah, it kind of is. That's what I liked about it. The Dark Knight Rises at the end of the credits. It's like this was shot on film, right? Like you had to like let let you motherfuckers know I fuck with film. Mm-hmm. 
My thing is, is that I feel well, one more, one more point though, Sean. I don't know, Julian. You've seen a lot of movies. I don't know how many. This has been a problem for me, and I've heard this from a lot of people. I've actually had more issues with screenings since the digital switchover. Like I've had files go down or whatever, or the corrupted files, or somebody didn't. Like I've, I've in all the years I've gone to see stuff on thirty-five millimeter, I've never, maybe once, I've had a problem. Like with, a, I think it was a sound issue. But I mean, just in the last five years, I mean, I've had maybe ten times that things have gone wrong because of a digital file. Uh, your file wasn't ready. It wasn't, you know, something happened. Something seems to always go wrong. I don't know. I don't know about you. Have you had any mishaps or? Um. Well, not really, because sometimes when you go to screening, if that's happening, it's before they start the movie. So that's like there's a problem. Gonna be wait a couple minutes. We'll start. We're sorry. And so it's basically a bunch of people like, yo, we got shit to do. It's seven thirty. You supposed to be starting at seven thirty, and you know, because you know the writers got to go right, and you know, people got to get up. But the only time I've had an actual issue when it happened in the middle of the movie was movies I paid for, and the big time it happened when I went to go see the Dark Knight Rises is in an IMAX and it's Smithsonian. Is this fake? Not, is this fake IMAX then? No, no. I was in the I was in Smithsonian, and they're not technically used to showing. So they were showing the movies. full. They were showing yeah. the full seventy millimeter film then. Yeah, and because you know, in the Smithsonian, they got the the real, the real screen, seven, ten, seven story. Yeah, it's the hugest shit. But they're not used to like, they're not used to having to worry about a movie where you got people lining up. Like, and there was at one point that the line had more people than it was actually in the museum. Mm. So, yeah, all their shit was fucked up because they don't have to go through this shit like ever well so they're not probably, probably not used to showing those reels over and over again either exactly so it fucked up but other than that that at least is understandable like that was a huge demand i'm talking about for me like i'm just i just mean regular stupid shit like people making mistakes like like digital film skipping for example like that's what? ridiculous to me oh <laughs> no 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 I, I i got one that can top that when uh there was a we my wife and i went to go see expendables too on on a matinee first mistake <laughs> oh no anyway the, i haven't seen it was it any good show you know what I, you know what i hate the first one this, so this, i thought maybe it's this is better. this is oh this is way better my bad show, oh, no, no, but no, no, no. it's like this shouldn't be a first one this is expendable yo th- this movie the second movie is fucking ridiculous and i love it and the thing is do not do not go in, do not go see this movie for acting do not go see this movie for plot but there is but like all these cats chew up the scenery i mean and by chew i mean chew up the scenery and the last fight the only thing i didn't like about the film i mean i accepted it but like the last fight it was van damme versus stallone but when van damme comes walking out like from the shadows and he's got like you know a gun in one hand he's got an open arm in the other he's just like standing waiting for stallone like what the fuck you gonna do about this that shit cracked me up it's got a b- I still remember um the first one and Sean had me had me screaming on the phone when I was talking yeah. to you about the fucking Jet Lee getting his ass kicked I, by I, Dolph I, did not, I was like, that is fucking bullshit. I did not like that either. I'll be the first to yeah, say it. I let's not talk about that. The only about good that. thing about the first one was Terry Crews. That was it. That was um, the only thing. There's there's a bunch of cheesy one liners in the film, but That's cool though. I just mean like it wasn't the first expendable I thought it was gonna be a, like a fun self aware Oh yeah th- like but it wasn't. It was like just another shitty action movie. I, like I, I think this one. I think this one. one does I, I think this one's more of a fun, self-aware movie. What do you? What do you think, Julian? Yeah, it kind of is. It's the fact Arnold Schwarzenegger takes everyone's catchphrases. <laughs> it says them. Yeah. Like if you're not going to say it, 
audible said. He would straight do it in the middle. Like, it seems like that wouldn't even script that. He would just say, yippee Like, what? Like, it's fucking auto. Why is he saying that shit? Like, and, and John claude may actually have this great career now as the baddest motherfucking villain on earth. Because he, he's awesome. Like, it's like, oh, he, I kind of shit like him. He was supposed to be um, the villain in Rush Hour 3. He was <sighs> supposed to be. Yeah. And, and he turned it down. He didn't want to play a villain. Yeah. And I, I remember at the time, I was like, he should have done that. It would have resurrected his career like five years earlier. Yeah. Jean Villon is the best <laughs> thing ever. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, but no. So we go see Expendables 2, and we are at the, fi- the final battle, like the last 20 minutes. The last 20 minutes is nothing but just like unadulterated action and violence. Okay. It's about to start. It starts up. It's heating up. It's getting the battles going. You know, gunshots everywhere. You know, people getting their asses whooped. And the film literally just, it like it froze. What? It froze and then power went out. Power comes back on, and there was a. Uh, Please tell me someone just went with loudspeaker like Stallone beat Van Damme. God, bye. <laughs> so, so the power comes back on. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's waiting, and then a a, a person walk you know walks in. A, a you know a person walks in and says, um, "The movie will be back up in a minute." We had a, we had a power outage due to a fire um, across the street. Hit a transformer. Blah 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 blah. And um, the movie will be back on in a couple minutes. And, and Lee said, well, it's, it, it, they're not going to pick up where we left off. She's like, I know they're not. Because she saw Magic Mike and they had a power outage. And what happens is, is that because they're, it's on a timer, their digital projection system and the computers are on a timer. So a movie starts here, ends here. So even when the power came back on, it picked up right where it was supposed to actually end. So what? Yes. Yes. So then... You know, we leave the theater and, you know, and because like Lee walked out, got some tickets and I walked out and got some tickets. She was like, do you want to go back and actually see this movie? I said, yes, because I want to see it from the beginning to the to the damn end. So we went back and saw it for free and watched the it. Same shit happened. And no, 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 it didn't this time. It didn't this time. And but that's like my biggest fear about the whole digital projection thing is that if people don't truly understand the equipment. Because it's like it's, it's on a like like I know this theory I went to is on a time system, and if people don't understand that the system has to be adjusted, um, or if it can be adjusted, this this problem is going to persist if there's ever a power outage and stuff like that. That's a problem. So wait, so basically it is what like what you said. It's like like Tanzito is TV. Yeah. Because it's like if the power goes out, you turn your TV back and it comes back on. It's like, oh shit! I missed the last fifteen minutes of the movie, and the credits is going. It's like, what? Unless you were <laughs> able to pause it right before the uh, outage went out, I guess that video. Well, only, no, uh, not only th- not only that, but you would think that the, you think it would quote unquote be self aware and say this file locked up or stopped here, pick back up here. No, I just said no, no, no. The system's running, and um, or at least log that. Oh, you know, t- uh, power went out at you know hour twenty five thirty six seconds. Right. Start at an hour thirty five, thirty six seconds. You know, it sounds, like it's—I don't know—it's it's, ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds like it's almost like the file is streaming. Well, it's because they don't, they don't have the file. The reason is like they that. don't want to hire a quote unquote projectionist. They don't want to have to have somebody there watching it. So basically, by having that system just do it automatically, um, they don't have to worry about that. Right. But like I said, I don't—I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and see, that's a, that's a big—that's a very big problem. Like that. And and my whole other thing is is that. So I don't have a problem with digital, but I think you need to have digital as well as film. 
And once again, it provides balance. The one thing about digital is, is that digital has democratized how we, you know, create media, which is great and is all and is also bad. Okay, there are a lot of great things that have been created because of the uh, the, um, you know, the democratization of uh, digital media. That's cool, but we also still need, you know, the digital, not the digital, but the uh, the film side of things, like actual film, analog products, and stuff like that. You need the best of both worlds because I think having the best of both worlds helps you to create some of the best media possible. You know, and and that's the biggest problem with the way society works. And one one of one of the biggest problems with the way society works is always let's go on to the next hottest thing, and that's all it should be. Well, I think Chris Nolan said it best in that um, side-by-side documentary. I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically just said, like, you know, the industry's always going to, they're always going to go with just what's working like that, like that second. And like nobody ever, nobody ever thinks. He said it a lot better than I can, but that was his basic point. Basically, like, you know, everyone's always going to be on the side of technology, you know, the business side of it until something goes wrong and then they wonder what went wrong. It's like, maybe we should have had, maybe we shouldn't have thrown it all away in favor of this new thing. You know, and I, and it's not that I like I said I don't have a problem with it, but you got to balance it out. Like I, I've noticed, and I've noticed, like I said here, a lot of the theaters half for digital, half for film. Some are all digital. You know, some are still all thirty-five. It's you know, it's like if I go to the two dollars. See, I go to the two dollars cinema. I go to the two dollars cinema. It's all thirty-five millimeter. Okay, you know the prints ain't been cleaned, and so I know I'm watching film when I go there. And I'll, you know, and I love that, you know what I mean. But at the same time, is what happens? What happens when there's no more film? Does the two dollar theater exist anymore? No, it does not. Because I've seen this firsthand. The art house theater is they're running a big fundraiser now to buy two digital projectors, um, and it's it's a lot of money. Um, and they, and again, it wasn't even like this stuff. Again, people say, you know, the trains left the station. You know, you got to get got to jump on this digital train for a couple of years, but. Between the time of them announcing the end of 35 and they wouldn't be distributing anymore, and between the time you'd have to get it, it was so small. Mm. No, no place really could have prepared for that. Unless you're a chain. Yes. Yeah. When you have, you can, you know, whatever you can argue, you can, uh, you can kind of get a better deal, or you know, you could borrow yeah. against yourself or whatever. You have extra money, but like for them, it's like you know they're living hand to mouth pretty much on what they're getting. Um, a lot of what they're showing is borrowed prints and a couple of new art house movies that they're getting prints of. That's about it. But, you know, it's like if they don't get that money within the next month or two, then that's it. They're going to close. And I think you're going to see a lot of theaters close within the next, like, six months, I think, because of that. That's crazy. I, yeah. This shows me the benefit of living in maybe not one of the big two major markets, but a, a major enough market that I don't even think about it. I don't think about if it's digital. I don't think if it's, they got both or not. There's so many theaters I can go to to go see a movie of any range, from the biggest movie to the smallest movie. I have no problem. I'm in yeah. Washington D.C. They're going to come here, regardless. Like even even the art house movie theaters are chain art house movie theaters. Like I have a landmark and an Angelica. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's nice to see, and we kind of got that. Like we we have that. Like that we have it like that here as well. Even though, like, people think that um, Lexington would just be nothing but just, like, one or two movie theaters. Like I said, we've got, like, six different six different um, brands, six different theater brands in this town, okay? 
and it's not like this town is this big. We got six different theater brands, so we get the first run films, we get the indie films, we've got like you know a couple of two, you know, a good number of two dollar theaters as well. Any rep houses left? Uh, what houses? Rep houses. Um, hmm, I don't know. I have to check. That that's a big thing with their, that you're gonna that's kind of gonna go away. Um, because now, like, we won't even loan stuff out of their vaults anymore. Oh no, 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 we do, we do. The, the, if you're talking about like just like theaters that just like show old school films, yeah, uh, yeah, we got that the Kentucky Theater. Um, yeah, see, yeah, like my kind of art house theater is just all of those. They, like, it kind of houses all of those things. Yeah. They show a lot of, especially over the summer, they do double features. Yes, and stuff, yes, but, yeah, we got that, we got that too. And yeah, like I, again, I live, I live on Long Island. I don't live in New York City, but you know, I can take a train over there, and I, you know, have Brooklyn. I can go drive to, but. After a while, it's like I go on to see a movie. I don't want to spend fifty dollars every single time I want to see a movie. Right, you know? right, right. It's like it cost me enough money just to see one movie here, like twelve dollars just to go see a movie. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. But I don't know. I, also, my other thing with the again, I don't want to sound completely anti-digital. I think a lot of there's been a lot of great advances in digital filmmaking, but I don't understand why it always has to be at the cost of thirty-five. Like right. to me, I'm like, if a film is shot digitally, then project it digitally. But I mean, if it, if, if they took the time to shoot on thirty-five millimeter or seventy millimeter or whatever, show it in that. Like you should have the option, and now that that option to even film on that, Micah. Like you know, like I've talked to you a lot about trying about how much I want to make a film, and I, my dream is always to shoot on thirty-five. It's gonna kill me if I never get that chance. It doesn't look like I'm going to, because like I don't think I'm gonna have a million dollars or whatever to shoot something within the next year. But. Right. Yeah, to get it processed and yeah, everything all else. Yeah, all that's going to be boutique. And then to just make a print. Make a print is like oh, yeah, 10,000 or something. Yeah. But 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 the thing I thought, the biggest, the biggest um, I think, most people say, oh, most films are shot on, on digital. They're not. Like Even just this year, like there was like 30 big movies that were shot on 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter. Like, I don't know if people even realize that. No, but- yeah, like the master was shot on film. Yeah. That was seventy millimeter. Dark yeah. Knight Rises was seventy, was sixty five, seventy, and thirty five. Um, like Anna Karenina was thirty five. Arbitrage was thirty five. Argo was thirty five. But see, people don't um, think about that because the general, because the general public doesn't think about that. It's, I think even the Hunger Games are shot on thirty five. It, it's all about just give me, give me my movie. Does, yeah, doesn't matter how I get it, just give me yeah. a movie. So, yeah. That's the directors. Is like certain directors is like, nah, man, I like film. Oh, Silver <laughs> Linings Playbook that was thirty five. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a discipline to shooting on film too, and I think it does look. I can tell the difference, even if it is you know projected digitally. I can tell what was shot on film and what wasn't. So. I don't know. But then again, I guess that's, I, I know too much. So I got that. I guess yeah, the most people maybe doesn't matter, but I like to think after a certain period of time, you're going to notice the difference, but I don't know. It's just a depressing topic. <laughs> I can't I'm coming with the shots to pump. We got more cause it's what you want. Let's talk about the polarization of the movie viewing audience and the internet mob mentality. Um, and this goes towards films like Prometheus, Dark Knight Rises, Killing Them Softly, A Moonrise Kingdom. There's a, Yo, people had beef with Moonrise Kingdom? Um, some people had beef. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really? Because I, see, I'm in my bubble. I'm in my city bubble. Yeah, my city bubble's like when Ralph Kingdom's like, yeah. <laughs> no man. See, it's weird. It, it's weird because I think a lot of it has to do, and, I, and this could be like a two, a two, a two for one type deal with how movies are advertised. 
Um, but I'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But like, especially like when you deal with stuff like social media, like when Dark Knight Rises came out, when Prometheus came out, it was like you either loved it or you hated it. And if you were on either side of the party, if you loved it, then the people that hated it hated you for loving it. And the people that loved it hated the haters for hating it. it and you just couldn't enjoy shit or you weren't allowed to enjoy it. Like I said, I enjoyed Dark Knight Rises and and like and I enjoyed Prometheus. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if, if, and if we can discuss our differences between liking it and disliking it and walk away from each other like human beings, that's great. But I don't understand this camp of if I like or hate something and you don't like it or, you know, or something like that, that automatically means I should dislike you. It's just it's really this whole mob mentality of of like the polarization of movies like Prometheus, Dark Knight Rises and Killing Them Softly just really baffles me. I don't really get nah, it. Nah, it. It doesn't. I don't know why it baffles you, man. You go to the comic book store, you sell comic books. But the problem of it is, is that the mentality of the comic book fan or the geek mm-hmm. is systematically, most likely, ruining film. Mm. I'll let that be my bold statement of the show. I think that's that's what it is. It's the geek mentality ruining everything. Hmm. If I talk to the average Jew on the street, they just go see movies. They're like, eh. Yeah. If they don't, they might like Prometheus. They might not. They might not really actually think that much of it. Right. They just like whatever. It had a big dude. It had <laughs> Fastbender. Uh, there was an alien at the end, at the end of something, and oh, that's it. There's none of this talk. Mm-hmm. Them them cats hating on everybody is the same cats that hate on fucking comic books and still go buy that shit. Them is the same cats that'll buy Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 and just because the ending wasn't what you thought it was going to be, you going to go write them motherfuckers bad letters. Mm-hmm. Like, they owe you some shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but that shit need to stop. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I I just don't like it. I mean, you should be able to like either enjoy or or not, you know, or like or dislike something. Period. You should just be allowed. But this like, I I don't. I just like I said, man. I I understand where you're coming from with that, Julian, and that does make a lot of sense. But still, I just find this to this type of attitude unnecessary. Um, you know, it's just to the point where I, you know I just turn I'll turn off the social media and just like let it ride. And because the whole thing is like they will argue about some stuff in Dark Knight Rises that they feel is completely unacceptable, but they'll go to another film that might have like the same type of like either uh, same type of either issue or problem, and they'll and they'll find that acceptable, but it wasn't acceptable over here. I, it, yeah, that that always annoys the fucking yeah, yeah, I'm like I don't get this. I, I I don't get this. It's like you know, it's like the whole thing with Avengers. Look, I enjoy Avengers. I love it. It was fun. It it was fun, and that's where I, and that's where I leave it. It's like, is it my greatest? Is, is it the greatest film of all time for me? No, fuck no. You know, but are there? But <laughs> but sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> fuck no. But you know, but there are moments where like it, they do things in the film. It's like I've been waiting to see this my entire life on you know like on a big screen. You know what I mean? Like when Iron Man flies down and Cap's holding a shield and Iron Man shoots at a Cap shield and like knocks out some bad dudes. That's some comic book shit that like I used to read as a kid. I'm like, okay, that's really fucking cool. Thank you. That made me happy. But um, 
but you know, but I don't need. I think that's something you you mentioned um in the email you sent us about like people saying a film's a flop when it's not at all, or right. you know, like like that was something like Dark Knight with the Dark Knight versus Avengers people. It was like, oh well, you know, Avengers made more money, so Dark Knight was a flop. Like it made over a billion dollars. Right. It's not a flop. Not a flop. Like it was still pretty acclaimed and everything. Like what did it do wrong? <laughs> exactly. Like in that respect, if we're really just going on, you know, whose dick is bigger, who made the most money? Like clearly. It wasn't. It wasn't that far of a race, actually. Right. You know, but and there was other circumstances be, too. It probably would have made more money. But yeah, like nobody, um, yeah, nobody shot up theaters for Avengers. You can pull it out. You can be really out. Go back to old school, the dozens, whatever. You guys needed six heroes to do what one superhero one. can do. Mm. Batman still the king. He like Marlo and fucking the wire. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! The, the thing that annoyed me a lot too, and you're talking about the kind of goes back to what you're saying before, is like this whole idea that the like Nolan's Batman movie. Oh, they're so dark. They're so serious. Like, how could a kid watch these? And I'm always just like, because I, I just rewatched all three movies um, the past weekend, whenever the Blu-ray came out. Um, and I'm just like, again, go back to like Batman Begins. Like, that was a pretty kid-friendly movie. It really wasn't that dark at all. Like, and actually, that's what, if you go back and really watch it, that's what the Marvel movies have been ripping off, is that movie. <laughs> well, if you, even going by that, if you want to blame, it's not dark because all they're doing is taking Jeff Lowe, Frank Miller, and Chuck Dixon comics. I'd even argue Grant Morrison of comics, too. There's, there's, there's some Grant Morrison there, there's, in there. There's a lot of Morrison. And, there, and there's some Christopher Priest. There's some Christopher there's Priest in Batman Begins. There's some, and there's you know there's a lot of seventy where you really go back. There's a lot of Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams mm-hmm. and down. And I read The Dark Knight Returns when I was seven. And there's more questionable, crazy shit in The Dark Knight Returns comic book than anything I saw on screen. Or even go back to the the Tim Burton ones. Those are downright perverted at times. Oh my! Oh, let's not talk. Like the Catwoman dies and is brought back by cats. That is some absurd shit. She got pushed out of a goddamn window. Yeah. Yeah. The penguin ripped somebody's uh, was it nose off their face it's, and then takes a pussy joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, penguins had rocket launchers, dog. Rocket launchers. Like it was absurd. And the like, Batman in those films is a psychopath. He kills people. Like he doesn't have any morality. Nothing. I'm like the like I don't. I always get to piss me off. Oh, this is so. It's got you know the the Christian Bale's Batman. He's like he's just like the criminal. I'm like no, he is, and he's actually probably the most positive version of Batman we've seen in a long time. Besides like, the cartoon, yeah. the only thing you can yeah. rate it against is the animated series Batman. Mm-hmm. Which even is that, like, we'll talk about the Brave and the Bold thing. The Brave and the Bold thing never would have happened if it wasn't for Begins, because I think it actually showed. Oh, Batman doesn't have to be like super dark all the time. Like Bruce yeah. Wayne, different personality. Like in the comics, they forgot all about that for a long time. Right. Like, even Morrison said when he started his run, like. Oh, he saw Begins. He was like, "Oh shit, I forgot!" Like Bruce Wayne was like this, you know, suave billionaire, and like Batman had two faces, and it's it does doesn't have to be dark all the like. So it's just so funny now when I see it now. Even that people with um, I remember when Begins came out, and I thought like it was, people were like, "Oh, this is the best Batman, blah blah blah, best Batman film, truest to the comics." Now the same people act like they never liked it before. Yeah, and like I don't. That's the shit I can't stand. Like a year or two later, then suddenly it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's like because they saw Avengers and they and they got jerked off on screen. They people, saw they saw the third act of five of the movies. My bad, my bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I just it's the fact that you you got five other movies with with bad third acts. They're half a movie. The Avengers is the only Marvel movie that's a whole movie. I think. Mm-hmm. 
up until that. Yeah. Oh, no, cap, no to, Cap's a whole movie. Oh, it is. It kind of goes off at some point. I, it has a very solid first hour, I think. I, I still say Cap is a whole movie. We've argued about this before a number of times. Yeah, many times. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> It's just I don't know, and I'm I'm probably like I still like I still like Thor, and I still like Iron Man two, mm-hmm. because Iron Man two is the only movie I didn't read, mm. and but that's just me. But it was again I think it's Hollywood has found a way to tap into this geek thing, and they know that, and technically a lot of what people consider geek stuff is basically just pop culture anyway, and. But now, like, they do kind of cater to them because they know, like, yo, if we cater to these geeks, they're going to give us an entire two years worth of free PR. There's a whole group of people working for us for free. Just like, well, let's, let's do it. You know, let's let's cater to it. And then it's just building this uncontrollable beast because now these people feel like, oh, yeah, we're the man. We're the people. They, they, they make this to us. One of the biggest fallacies is the whole like geeks own Hollywood. It's like, no, they own you. <laughs> They'll throw you away the first second that they don't need you anymore. Mm, yeah. The second that this shit not, that's not hot, not making money, they're gone. Yeah. I actually can't wait for that day, actually, because I'm just sick of I'm sick of like every third movie that comes out as a superhero movie or it's a remake of a superhero. But, th- like, but this is what Hollywood does though. It doesn't matter what the genre is. I know that they do it, but it's the fact that there's it's if more people I guess could see it for what it was. But like it's like kind of like Julian saying like they're acting like oh they're calling the shots and this is what yeah. you know like, give a fuck about you at all. <laughs> it's like yo, now I'm about to get real street again. It's it's some old whole mentality shit. Hmm. It's the whole talking to the pimp like they're like oh he needs me so much. You don't really need you. Again, like my man said, when once once they fix once they stop making money, they're gonna drop all of it and go do the next shit. Yeah, cause see people forget people forget there was a long time before scream came out there was literally i'm sorry anaconda then scream before those two movies came out back in the 90s there was literally a ban on horror films there was nothing well there were horror films but they were they were very very uh very low budget very they were very low budget but but you did not have 20 of them coming out in a year you may have had two if you're lucky, and but and they got buried by everything else that was out there. Then the Anaconda came out. Then Scream came out. When Scream came out and became such a hit, that opened the floodgates again. And you've had horror films for like over, you know, nonstop for like over fi- close to 15 years, maybe. Actually, take it back a little further than that, though. Um, I'd even say Jurassic Park, because once people saw, like again, like that, the whole effect that that movie gives you, mm-hmm. like it does, half of it does play like a horror movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that because if you don't and have, it, opened up the door and oh, we put an animal attacking people. Yeah, that is true because <laughs> if you don't have Jurassic Park, you don't get Anaconda. Yeah, yeah, but I think what happened, with, especially with Scream, is that it was almost like people found out that like we're going to make a movie about all the tropes of horror, of horror movies and make it entertaining to two type of audience people who want to be scared and people who find it shit stupid but not only that though that also reintroduced i think uh, that reintroduced hollywood to the quote unquote young teen star yep oh yeah they took all the yeah they took the base of the tv people and put them on they they put them on Hot people. They, they they put them on i mean and that brought that they quote unquote youth in that youth influx back into hollywood cinema and then that gave us the birth of the miramax uh horror movie poster which still gets used to this oh, non-stop 
non That's all home video posters are. They, they take the same design, the same thing. Yeah, that was well, that was a good time. And then, it, and then I think what happened was that they learned how to transition well with it, and they learned how to use young talent effectively. Like, he try to make the what well, after Blair Witch, they was like, "All right, you young cats, you ain't got a lot of money. Let's see what you do." And young cats is hungry, and they problem solving, and they make a movie, and they make a gang of money, and those cats got careers, mm-hmm. and they could just pump them out every year. Because the devil inside was a piece of garbage. That movie made a ton of fucking money. Yo, Paranormal Activity films, I think, cost like between like five to six million dollars, and they always end up making like fifty plus in the states. So it's it's like it doesn't matter if the film is actually even good at all. That doesn't matter. They know it's like they have that chart. And they one can- of those abyss staring back moments this year was that they opened up the latest Paranormal Activity in IMAX. <laughs> Oh yeah! It's supposed to be shot at like a fucking standard definition camera or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, this is like an iPhone camera or something. Like, <laughs> why is this shot? Why is this being shown so big? And people went to go see it, so it made gang of money. Made a gang of money. So oh, I can't, yeah. I can't be mad. I just hope that other like, I want Pacific Rim to do so good, so like Hollywood can be like, yo, fuck a superhero. Look at all this fucking anime shit and fucking monsters from Japan. Let's make all this shit good. <laughs> <laughs> and get like a whole different type of fucking fed into this base. Like, yo, we're going to make a live action Sailor Moon. Good. Mm. Yeah, big director on it. And that shit would be hot. And then motherfuckers would be so salty. He's like, I miss, I never got this movie. I never got Daughters of the Dragon or the Defenders. Fuck them. We about to make Ronin Warriors. Oh, don't Peace. come on! You did not just say Ronin Warriors. Don't get me hype like that, dog. Don't get me hype like that. That's what I want to happen. Or they can finally figure out how to make a good video game movie. <laughs> they can finally figure out how to do that. Yeah. You didn't it's, like the uh, Paul Wes Anderson uh, Mortal Kombat? The o, the OG one? Yeah. Yes, but one out of like the last what twenty years. <laughs> it's like back in the days, like. Yo, superhero movies are never going to be good. <laughs> that man. But that's the thing, the thing I actually found kind of interesting, though. Like, I know you bashed, Sean, you bashed the Super Mario Brothers movie before. But I have to say, I still think, I go back to those, and even a lot of those terrible video game movies. And this is kind of my problem. Again, I like the Avengers movie just fine. Like, it was a fun to see it once. I don't know if I'll watch it again. But it was fine. But the thing is, it was about nothing at all. It had nothing to say about anything. It was about selling Marvel products. That's all it was about. But, like, I go back to, like, the Super Mario Bros. I'm like, at least they're trying to say something about the world with this. Like, they didn't care about the, you know, the continuity of the, of what the actual characters were. But they were like, all right, I got these properties. They're kind of, they kind of resemble the video game a little bit. I'm going to tell this story about consumerism. It might not be a fantastic movie. I'm like, at least he's trying to say something. Mm. And, like, that's always kind of where I come back to with that. Like, nowadays, nothing is about anything. Like, that's kind of why I like the Nolan Batman stuff so much. It's like, I do think it could be interpreted a lot of ways. I do think it's it's not just an excuse to do a Batman movie. Like, they wouldn't he wouldn't make it if he didn't have anything to say with it. And I feel like that's something that's so missing in a lot of this big entertainment is it's not about anything. Yeah, Nolan films, I do feel, are, like, thematic juggernauts that, like... Even if I think that what they're... What he's saying gets misunderstood, I think, by the audience. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. But, but it's there. It's there. They'll rediscover it ten years from now. And be like, oh wow, they were really. He was really going going to that here with this. But it's like, but I don't know. It just annoys me. Like I see it. I see it, and, and it's still. It's not like I, all films coming out are about nothing. I'm just more saying like a lot of the what's leading the charge, making the most money, isn't like that's why I say even something like the Hunger Games, I'd put above 
Avengers because at least it had something to say. Oh yeah, it does have like the yeah, it's based off something that has a lot to say because if you think all right to be and this is I guess if you the movie is essentially the first issue of the comic and the first issue of the comic is Stan and Jack and probably Stan had this idea like yo we need to figure out how to put all our heroes together that's not Spider Man in a book and then they did it and that's what the movie is. And there's really not a lot of depth to the first issue of Avengers. It gets more depth as it, you read them on. And you get to like Captain America's found in the ice. It gets better. But the first issue, no. And that's kind of what we got in the movie. And it's, it is entertaining. I enjoyed it. I'm never going to watch that movie again. And this this is, I guess, this is the part of the episode people going to hate because it's just like two people hating on Avengers. I'm not even hating. I, I said I said I liked it, but they're gonna say that we're hating. Right? On yeah. Fine. Then we hating it then. But I'm just saying, like I, that's the thing. Like I don't understand. I can't sit here and just praise it for hours because after a while I run out. I'm like, oh yeah, like um, this is about as much as I can praise it. I'm like, uh, Mark Ruffalo is a really great Hulk. You know, like that's about the level of depth I can give to the movie. Like it's not it's not about anything else. Yeah, it was fun, but fun only goes so far to me. Right. Fun's got to be something. Got to be a reason for me to revisit it at some point. I want to go to killing them softly because this is the whole polarization type deal again and in a way <laughs> i saw killing them softly i loved it i absolutely loved this movie through and through yeah i did have issues with it it was filmed inexpensively it's made over 30 million dollars worldwide it was viewed as a flop in the united states i'm like well technically it's not a flop but that's how it's perceived because it's a movie with brad pitt so you know, and it's and but if you look at the trailer, not the trailers, but if you look at the commercials for it, it's perceived as an action film and not a crime film. And I think people, some people felt that it was supposed to be one thing, and then when they went to go see it, they got served something else, and then they were pissed off. And it's it's kind of like the same issue where people complained about Drive, a movie which which I also love and and, and enjoy, but people some people thought it's supposed to be the new Fast and Furious. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. It's, this is this is a movie movie. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's a completely. I, know, I always find it funny though that that even came up because I'm like, I think they showed the car like once. Exactly, in the <laughs> exactly. And you know, well, it's called Drive. It clearly is gonna, you know, they're clearly gonna be racing at some point. <laughs> but um, you know, but it's just it makes me wonder, like, are films like Killing Them Softly, like these these smaller films? And I'm talking about films that um you know, don't cost a lot to make. And yeah, there are some exceptions to the rule. Um, I mean, one thing I noticed about this year is that there were a good amount of movies in 2012 that were budgeted between 7 million to 50 million, okay? 7 to 50 million that made a lot of money. Some did, some didn't. Like, per perfect example, Ted. Ted cost 50, made 500 million worldwide. Um, the, the, God almighty. The, Lor- the Lorax, a film that I really thought would not do well because... To me, the Lorax, when reading the book, this was a book about how, like, you know, commercialism and mass consumption is going to destroy the world. And you made a movie and you commercialized a character that was basically anti-commercialism. And 
it made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Like 21 Jump Street did not, you know, it was in between, I think it cost like 40-something million to make, made a ton of cash. Um, even films that people may have been disappointed with, like Taken 2. Um, Taken 2, 300 million worldwide, 43 million to make. Uh, I mean, it's going to be Taken 3. Oh, yeah, there, there will be a Taken 3. See, here's the thing. I saw Taken 2. And I see, I love watching Olivier Megaton films. But you don't watch an Olivier Megaton film for the story. You should know that. If you watch Transporter 3, you should understand that. You don't watch it for the story. You watch it for the visuals. Because like I watched Taken 2 and I'm like, it's like, it's like watching the second Die Hard. It's like, how can the same thing happen to the same man the same amount of times in a row? Dollar sign. I still, you know, I enjoy it. But is this a film I'm going to watch again? I doubt it. Um, but, you know, but like Haywire didn't cost a lot of money, but it barely recouped. Dread didn't co- cost like, I think like 50, I said. It didn't, it's not going to recoup. It might recoup later. Moonrise Kingdom didn't cost a lot of money. Chronicle, Pitch Perfect, End of Watch. Yeah. These films did not cost a lot of money, and a lot of them made... Well, sinister. Sinister, si- as well. sinister as well. Yes. You know, even... Argo. Uh, Argo. Loop. Looper made uh, quite a bit of money. Yes, yes, Looper made. Yeah, oh yeah, Looper's on that list too. These are movies that these are films that like between yeah seven fifty sixty million dollars, and they made way more. I think the business needs to continue to do that because once again, it's going to balance out this. I think it'll balance out the business because you. I mean, but like because we talked about this, Joey, like how the how the industry is going towards like you know films either have to cost a hundred million dollars or more or this little. Pittance of or money. less than a million, or, or, you know, or less or, than a million. Yeah, and, and there's no in between. But this year we got that in between, and, and and I think that's good. Also, I think even more important, almost all those movies you mentioned are original screenplays. Yes, yes, like you know, Magic, Magic Mike. I don't know if I even said yeah, Magic, Magic Mike. Magic Mike, yeah. huge hit. Yeah, huge hit. And so we need that. You know, this business needs that, and that's one thing I was glad to see. You know, Expendables two cost a hundred million dollars to make, three hundred million dollars it made worldwide. Um, and, and and that's and that's fine, but you know you still need the low budget to fifty million dollar budget movies in this in this business to balance things out. And I think that's where you're going to continue to get the quote unquote original concept films in that range. I don't think you you know because like Cloud Atlas is a completely different example that costs a lot of money to make, and I don't know if Warner Brothers is going to recoup on that. Um, Warner Brothers didn't spend any money on it. Oh well, who spent? It was an independent film. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did Warner Brothers just dis- uh, distribute it? Yep, just distribute. Okay, cool. Because they got that that relationship, they can oh, they can do that. Nice. They'll do that for them. Nice. But yeah, well, that's cool. That's cool. I was always curious about that because I thought they. Well, it was it. they didn't want to, you know, pay for it themselves, but nobody would pay for it, and uh-huh. so they was like, "Fuck it, we're put our own money into doing it." Okay. Okay. Well, Which is nuts, considering it's like a hundred million dollar movie. Yeah. But it had three it, directors. I guess they split. <laughs> <laughs> like yo, you got a third. I got a third. Splitting yeah. the cost, splitting the loss. I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I mean, but it, you know, it's good. And something else I noticed, even though I mean, there's still the trend that a majority of your films, even some of them that shouldn't be this rating, there's a lot of PG-13, and that's just to fill seats uh, more than anything else. But I was surprised that there's that there were a good amount of R-rated films this year. Like Looper, Magic Mike, Dread, uh, The Man with the Iron Fist, Prometheus, uh, Ted, End of Watch. R. Isn't that R? What do you say? Isn't Skyfall R? Uh, Skyfall's PG-13. Really? Yes. Yes. Um, wow. Flight, Flight was rated R. Um, which, that was a disappointing. Movie. You didn't like Flight? I hate the end of it. Oh, okay. Okay. See? <laughs> Okay, I need you. I, I, no, because it's cool to have it's cool to have differences. I, I just need to know. It felt, it felt dishonest after what you saw. It didn't. It didn't seem. Uh, 
it kind of stepped all over the point I think it was making. So you think it should have ended right when he finally confessed? Or he shouldn't have confessed at all. I don't know. Didn't feel consistent to me in the rest of it. Okay. All right. Good performance though. Yeah. Not gonna not gonna uh, I'm not gonna shit on that and the plane thing you know the plane falling was well shot yeah and it did have nadine velasquez naked in it in the first like couple of minutes and so that's always a plus and, but and the rest of it i don't know and the and the film only cost 31 million to make and it's an original screenplay as well yeah yeah and um yeah man 89 it's made 89 million in the states 4 million overseas uh, 93 million worldwide from paramount but we need to continue to have this bridge. Like I said, these, these, these movies from $7 million to $50 million to balance out all these quote-unquote blockbuster films. You know what I mean? It, it, that needs to continue to happen. Like I said, you just can't have $250 million budgeted films all year. You, know, you just can't. It's, it's, it can't be either or. You've got to balance that plate. You've know, you got to have vegetables and some meat on your plate. You know what I mean? You got to balance it out. I want all mac and cheese, bro. <laughs> uh, all right, player. All right. Now, and I'll admit, I'll admit there are some things that I don't think need to continue to be made, but as long as they continue to make money, um, they're going to keep coming back. I-, I thought Ice Age was done after the second movie. It keeps coming back. No, that makes so I, much money. That land before timing, that's Man, Land Before Time, I think, is still making direct-to-video oh, movies in its sleep. Like Land Before Time, 47. You, you know, like... It just got people in it. Yeah, dude. Point. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, Madagascar 3, I was like, man, I know people are going to probably hate on that film. That movie made so much cheese. Them penguins of Madagascar are just, like, worldwide. Man. That movie was fun. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Afro, Afro, Afro Circus. Circus. That's my jam. <laughs> you, but... But you know, but the thing is, there were also other like animated films. Um, you know, even though like there's still this influx of like 3D and CG, and we need you know we need to bring that consistency back and bring back more 2D animated films. Um, you know, you had stuff like Hotel Transylvania, which I, I didn't think anybody would appeal. It would appeal to anybody. It made 143 million in the states. I didn't you know I would I didn't see I wouldn't you know I wouldn't see. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say I wouldn't see. I I didn't see that making any money, and it did. But um, stole that money right out of Frank and Weenie's mouth. He sure did. Themselves. He sure did. Frank and Weenie. Frank and Weenie. Frank and Weenie was good, and so was Paranorman. Was I didn't see any of them. I don't. I don't usually go see animated stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to see Frank and Weenie at some point. Paranorman was good too. I have to give it to Wreck It Ralph all day. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, Wreck It Ralph. My was bad. Dope. Yes. No, you right. <laughs> Wreck It Ralph was dope. Going back to the whole killing and killing them softly thing because we went on we went on tangent. Like I really think that um I don't know what people th- what people were expecting because like critics loved it but the but like so much of the general public hates that film and I just don't know what people were honestly expecting walking into that movie. I can understand if people didn't like it, but the fact it got like that lowest cinema score thing of of all time or something like that, like and, and people are telling me it was so long, it was only like ninety minutes long. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can understand like, oh, if you didn't dig it, but like the hate that, like the, how much people hated it was, I don't know, flabbergasting. You know, I love the ending. Like the ending is like oh, best best line. Yeah, when, maybe in a movie this year. I think. Yeah, when Brad Pitt says like, you know, like this is America, so fucking pay me. That that last line, like I was like, oh, that's 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 dope. You know, it's dope. It, it's just like that whole last five minutes is great. You know, yeah, I got some problems with the movie, but I really, I really thought the movie as a whole was really great. 
and I really enjoyed it. And I wish more people, you know, would have been able to enjoy it. Maybe they will later. I don't know. You know, I, either either that or people are like expecting the new Pulp Fiction. I'm like, Pulp Fiction is its own thing. You know, so let it be its own thing. Quit looking for the next Pulp Fiction or the next this, this, this. Let something be its own thing. The thing with killing him softly, though, which I guess not enough people even saw it, I guess, to really have any discussion about it. Mm-hmm. But I thought politically it was an interesting film. Like, I thought, like, I, that's the thing I think is kind of, it's not... It's not a conservative movie, but it's certainly not. It's not. It's not for the Obama generation, really. Um, it kind of. It kind of shits over a lot of that stuff, and I'm kind of. I was. It would have been interesting to have that discussion, but yeah. I don't think enough people even saw it or said. Like that was the movie most people walked out of this year was Killing Them Softly. I, too. I think. Like I mean, people didn't even finish watching it. Yeah, I think. I think it hits up on both conservatives and and quote unquote, quote unquote conservatives and liberals. I think it hits. Yeah, it, yeah. It, That's it, like kind of why I dug it so much. You know, it, it hit. But I'm saying like I don't. I don't know. It's such a polarizing country right now, where people are just so stuck in their ways on both sides that I don't. I don't. I think that they would both just not see that period. So yeah. that's what happened, pretty much. As far as like the future of cinema, we got like a lot of tight movies coming out. We got a lot of sci-fi next year, which has me both happy and scared at the same time. Because you know how Hollywood acts. If if one of these sci-fi sci-fi films with like a big actor in it doesn't do well, that means the kibosh on sci-fi is killed for 2014. I'm excited about the future about about movies next year, like films like After Earth. I really hope After Earth is going to be good. I really hope that movie's gonna be dope. I hope Pacific Rim is gonna be great. I just saw a trailer for Oblivion. I, you know, I got GI Joe Retaliation. I got Ninjas. I got the RZA as the Hard Master. I hope that's gonna be awesome. And I'm really hoping that we continue to have a good balance, like we kind of had this year. You know what I mean? You know, I want to see, you know, more in the middle budget movies. I want to see more, you know, original scripts. Um, you know, I'm just hoping for the best in 20, in 2013 because like, I thought this was a good year for movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some there's some stinkers and clunkers in there, but um, I thought this was a good year. Nah, like uh, so I actually really enjoyed 2012. There's a lot of films that I watched that I was I was really entertained by. The, yeah, the only thing of it is um, I got tired of the superhero and I, I I'm I'm not looking forward to having to sit through or even hear about two Marvel films a year leading up to 2015 for Avengers 2 and then Justice League and everything else. I don't I no longer care about the X-Men movies. I no longer care about the Spider-Man movies. I don't care about Man of Steel. I just don't give a fuck. Hmm. I have to I'm say tired. I wanted I wanted to not give a fuck about Man of Steel because I don't like Zack Snyder as a director. I actually like that trailer quite a bit. Haven't watched it. Trailers could be fooled because I saw some Terrence Malick influence in that trailer, and I know Nolan's a big Terrence Malick guy. So if he's like really shepherding that project, and it's like just has Zack Snyder's name on it, but it's really like a Nolan movie, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I thought that'd be funny. (laughs) But that's what I hope. I don't know. I could be disappointed. I I mean, I really don't like Zack Snyder's stuff at all. But it didn't. It didn't look like one of his movies, and it didn't feel like one of his movies. Mm -hmm. But I could be fooled. I don't know. Well, I I, I thought I thought the Man of Steel trailer was dope too. I had my doubts. I saw the trailer. I'm like, it's just a trailer. Let me just. I'll go see the movie and judge for myself. You know what I mean? That's where. And that's where. The thing I thought was funny was seeing people online saying it was dark. I'm like, what was dark about it? 
Because um, I heard, like, I haven't watched it. There's that thing about what Pa Kent says or something. That was a cool line, though. Yeah, I can't, yeah, whatever. Like, you know what? I'll see the movie when it's I'm to that point. I was like, I'll see it when it's out. I watched Pacific Rim because it, it doesn't exist in any other thing. And I want to see robots fighting monsters. But I'm skipping a lot of trailers now. You're probably wiser than I, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... It's, the, the internet, like you're saying, like, internet debate on every, for everything is ridiculous. Did, I try and keep myself away from it, but sometimes someone ropes me in and I gotta get in there. You gotta stay, you, know, you gotta right? stay, you gotta stay away from it. Like, like, when... It's like what Julian said with the Dark Knight Rises stuff, like, I, pro- I probably should've just walked away, looked at nothing, but I had got an argument with, like, every goddamn person. And it never ends well. You never change anybody's mind, you never, it just, you just get angry. Well, you know, and, I can't help it. And the thing is, the thing is, you don't have to change somebody's mind as just as long as you can actually just have open dialogue about it. Nobody wants a dialogue. They want to shout at each other. Right. That's all it is. I, I, see, and again, I've been guilty of that too, but it's like, I don't know. That's my thing in like 2013. I want to just kind of stay away from that stuff so much. It's not that important what everybody else thinks, but I don't know. You always get roped into it. You think you can just ignore it, but it's hard. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to stay away from trailers and like promotional materials and like, I mean like I had stayed away from like stuff for like months and, um, and like I and like I saw the the teaser trailer for the the Japan teaser tra- trailer for Star Trek in the Darkness, Man of Steel, and Pacific Rim, and I'm like, you know what, Pacific Rim, I've watched that trailer like 50 times because, like Julian said, I haven't seen something like this in cinema. You know what I mean? It's like somebody done brought back somebody done brought Big O to real life for me. I need to go see this. This is necessary. I want to get excited about Pacific Rim, but I didn't like that color palette, that like really CGI, like obvious CGI color palette. In the using for the movie, I think it needs to work because, like, in Japan, they still got people rocking suits, and I think it needs to look kind of really bright and fake because it kind of needs to kind of still feel like maybe there's a, a dude in a in a suit. Well, I wanted to feel like that. <laughs> it didn't feel like that to me. It felt like computers. Like I wanted to feel like I wanted to feel like what you're saying, but it didn't. It felt like oh, they're it's all on a computer, which they did. Um, I know you got. I guess you got. That was the thing I kind of noticed. I haven't seen The Hobbit. I never will because I hate Lord of the Rings. But um, what? <laughs> but people are saying about this this whole new forty eight frames per second thing, which is probably they said like the effects in that movie are very like they don't care anymore if things like things don't e- they're not even trying anymore and making things kind of look somewhat believable. Just like oh yeah, it's CGI, whatever. Was like I don't know. I think that that's bad. I think like CG the whole point of CGI was to fool you into thinking it was real. Mm-hmm. And like when the when the point comes on to like pointing out that it's CGI, I think that that's a bad thing. And I see a lot of laziness on that front. Yeah, but I think if you go too hard for it to be real, then you get the uncanny valley. And then instead of it, sometimes when they try too hard, I get bored. So if they're trying to cartoon it up a bit, it's not even make it real, but you make it like I think it's like the Harryhausen rule I used to say about um about stop motion animation using monsters. You got to make them look a little. A little strange and otherworldly and then people believe it like that's more what i'm talking about like make it look unique don't make it look like computers like you know even though you have to use them don't make it look so obvious a cgi make it look different and weird. like which del toro i think has been a good you know because he mixes a lot of makeup and the suits with cgi and that's why i was kind of so surprised when it looks so obviously cgi because he's been one to fool me before so Oh, yeah. But whatever, I, I'm just bitching to bitch, I guess. But. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to. I'm still. Like I said, I, I watched those three trailers, and now I'm done. I'll definitely see it, though. I'll definitely see it. I, Don't worry about. That. I'm, st- I'm staying off of trailers probably through like the rest of the you know for the rest of the year, and then like basically probably all the way through 2013. Because I, I just, 
I don't want everything to be told to me. I want to see it on my own and then make my own opinion of it. You know, and I understand these 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 uh, studios have to sell these movies somehow. I get that. I don't need you to constantly throw these trailers in my face. I, I will be the judge. Uh, I will be my own judge. But uh, no, Pacific Rim is just like high on my spot. This is high. So. so, so Sean, do you think Alec was right? Like when he said that last year. Now that like the point isn't to make the good film. It's it's to get the trailer. Um, like the trailer's got to be fantastic. It's it's to the point because see we're at a point now we're at a point now where like folks celebrate celebrate a fucking like a countdown for a fucking teaser. We and the teaser to the teaser. the teaser to the teaser. There's a teaser to the teaser and then there's a teaser to the actual trailer. I'm like no. There's 90 articles like you know discussing the teaser to the teaser. And this is what I'm saying where shit goes too fucking far. You know what I mean? Just put the fucking trailer out. Not everything is an event, okay? All right. Not everything. They make it though, yeah, and that's why I stopped caring. Yeah. Like, yo, like I don't needed you to, like, why are you, like, why are you doing all this bigging up? Like, you ain't making no money off this. Like, why, why do you care? Right. Like, if I go to the little trailers joint on on Apple TV, I see something that looks interesting. Like, oh, that looks dope. You know, oh, Dragon Donnie Yen is 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 kicking somebody in the face. Oh, that's awesome. Let me look at that trailer. <laughs> like, that's what it comes down to me. But right. like. It's like, like I have a look at the Star Trek joint, and I love Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't care who the hell Sherlock is supposed to be. <laughs> I just don't care. I'm going to see Star Trek when it come out. Yeah. You, but, but, but this is how, but this is how these studios are marketing these movies. It's, it's like, it's like Julian said a little while ago how, it like they got people. See, they they grab people, and now those people, like you know, the, your social media users, can now hype this movie for you for free. That's what a majority of that is now. And for some, it's just like yo, there's this there's this general excitement for some where they just love something so much. Anything that you give them, you know, they'll take. It's kind of like if you go back to the '80s. The only time you could get excited about something, you might you might be lucky and stumble upon a commercial on television once in a blue moon. But if you went to like a, a bookstore or a magazine rack and you found like one of those unofficial movie magazines, that was your source guide. That's all you had. So you grabbed it. You know what I mean? But now you got everything in front of you the, with the Internet and whatnot. It's all in front of you. And if not, somebody's going to be able to get it for you. you know, so now that I just think like these studios are just trying to find ways to piecemeal this stuff together for you to constantly keep you on that line to keep you coming back and i'm like listen you don't have to do that for me you know this is serving a whole other generation and i just wonder when that type of uh, methodology your methodology is going to you know finally curb you know what i mean because you can't constantly have teasers for a teaser trailer and then teasers for a regular trailer and then a uh, commentary on the trailer <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? You, you, this, this shit's getting fucking out Annotation, of hand. There's annotations. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's stupid to me. Every frame has a has a like a, a two page like article about. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. I'm like, let's 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 pull it back a little bit. You know, yes, there are way bigger problems in the world than what we're talking about right now. I understand that. But I just wanted to bring it up though, because like again, as much as I love Prometheus and Dark Knight Rises, I still go back and watch those trailers. Like, oh, I it was so good. Fucking so good. I still watch the regular Dark Knight trailer too. That I just think I again, just from a point of editing and marketing, just watching those trailers. Like I, I can't think of any. There's a few. There's a few of like trailers where I think almost work as good as almost films on their own. Like. I think like Nolan and David Fincher 
and I guess Ridley Scott is doing like their for some reason their movies translate really well to the trailer, like where they make almost a little movie themselves out of just the trailer. Yeah, I think they I think they got pretty hands on with their trailers because yeah, they, they it's like it's. And by the way, to me, to me, the best trailer this year was the one for the master. I mean, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, if they give Oscars for trailers, this wins it. Because it, it didn't tell you what the heck the movie's about, but it just looked stunning. It sold me on the movie. I didn't even know what the movie was, so I saw that trailer. I was like, okay, I'm going to see this movie. That stuff's just getting out of control, and I just think it just they need to pay, pull back a bit. You know what I mean? It's like, if people are going to see this movie, see your movie, they're going to see your movie. That's pretty much it. We live in a world of hype, and everything now gets hyped the shit out of. Everything. It's just ridiculous, but that's that's the business, you know, and I kind of wish they would take that power of hype from some things and actually put it towards other things that are a little bit more original, you know what I'm saying? But they don't do that a lot. We'll see. like i forgot to mention like there was one movie like i really liked this year i didn't mention like was surprise um and that was um the baj yakin film uh safe yeah Jason that was on my yeah that was on my that was on my list ah oh, chef forgot to mention that yes 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 but like that that was a huge surprise like i i was like i, I usually go see statham stuff sometimes i don't I, I again like i've always said this a lot like you know i think he's the last action star mm-hmm. left yeah um and but that was that was just a big surprise to me just from like I thought it was well made. I thought the story was pretty interesting. Like it was it was basically a Hong Kong movie for for New York. Like they basically made it that way. Actually it was a I just rewatched it recently and it's it's three languages. Like it's actually really ambitious that way. Hmm. It's constantly going back between English, Japanese and Russian. Nice. Like the whole movie. And uh, I think some of the best cinematography I've seen, some of the best gunfights I've seen, like I I don't know. I think that that was a really underrated movie. I don't think enough people really saw it. No. But think that that's going to have a good cult life, I think, on home video. I think. Well, I think a lot of Statham movies are like that, man. I think a lot of Statham... State I still think of this one was even though a cut above the rest. Really? Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, I-, I see you on that because I like said I like Safe. I thought Safe was dope. But like, like around here, that movie came and went. I mean, it was gone with the quickness. Before we go, as always, we got to let people know where they can find you on the internet and whatnot. And so we'll go ahead and we will start with Julian. Julian, where can people find you on this on the internet? Um, you can find me Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E dot com, and that's my handle on uh on Twitter, Julian Lytle, Facebook, Julian Lytle, MySpace, because that joint back. You find me on that on that new MySpace. I'm on everything, so just, just use my name. You can find me. And um, I do when I do review a film, I review for a site by the name of PunchDrunkCritics.com. So occasionally I put stuff up when I have to review a movie, and you know, be Mister Critic Critic Julian and not me hating and cursing all the time about comics, Julian. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, Joey. Where can people find you? All right, I still from time to time uh, do a podcast called The Chemical Box. It's at thechemicalbox.blogspot.com. Um, there should be a new episode soon, a couple of weeks. Um, 
I kind of we kind of got behind on that because of the whole hurricane thing. I have power and like we haven't been able to schedule it, but it'll be back. Um, the website's been running. There's a lot of uh, written content on there. I'm also going to be kind of within the next month or so on my personal blog. I'm kind of turning that into a film blog. It's a uh, push pause and wave dot um, I think I'm working. I'm doing a whole thing on all the films of Terrence Malick and um, and the whole Death Wish, uh, whatever. All five movies. I'm going to talk about that with my some of my friends on there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Malpractice One. Excellent, excellent. Well, cool. Well, listen. Um, I'm glad we had this uh, state of the movie, uh, state of the state of the movie industry talk. I think it's good. You know, I'm glad we do this every year. It's actually like you know, one of my favorite highlights of a podcasting year in and year out. I like the fact that we can get critical, um, that we can debate slash discuss. And you actually took me by surprise with the with the ending. We're talking about the ending uh, that you didn't like the ending for Flight because you're the first. Really? You're the, you are the first. <laughs> seriously, you're the first person to like, as, as far as I know, that did not appreciate the ending for Flight. And I'm I'm shocked there were people that did appreciate the ending of Flight. <laughs> so no, but no, like, like I said, I'm glad we were you know we were able to talk about this stuff. And and what I need people to understand is, it's like we can have this open discussion about films, comic books, music, television, life, politics, all this stuff. We can have this open conversation and at the end of the day still be human beings to each other and just because one person dislikes it, it doesn't mean that this dude or 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 you know or or lady or girl or boy are bad people. We can have our Unless differences. Unless you didn't like the Dark Knight, then you're terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I can't talk to you. I can't relate to you. I don't know, Joey. Hey, man, that's your stand. That's your stand, and I and I understand that. It's like, and I know I shouldn't call dude out, but I'm going to call dude dude out anyway. It's like when we talk about the Brave and the Bold Batman cartoon. That cartoon holds such a special place in my heart because of the way it was made. The you know the art direction, you know the writing, the great episodes, everything. Know, and then like and I know Daryl Taylor hates it. And for and for those who listen to this podcast, Daryl's been a guest on the show many a times. Daryl hates this cartoon with a passion because he says it's too much fun. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with that? That cartoon was amazing. So many different kinds of episodes of that show though. You think there'd be like an episode for every kind of Batman fan. Yeah, there there was. There was or dark episodes and stuff like that. Yeah. There were there were there were episodes for every single genre of Batman that has ever existed in the history of the Batman lexicon. And it is a great series. Absolutely great. And the thing is, like, we could talk about the, the, like, me and you, all of us, we could talk about the likes and dislikes and stuff like that. If I try to talk to Daryl about it, it's just like, I hate it. And, you know, it's just for kids. It shouldn't be for kids. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, dude, let's. Batman's for kids. Exactly. Exactly. Batman is, Batman is for the kids. It's like Wu-Tang is for the children. Batman's for kids. You know, and but I'm trying to say is, and like, there I mean to call you out on that, but I'm just using you as an example because it's pretty fucking easy to do. We should be able to have open debate and like talk about the, and just talk about anything. And so, you know, like I said, like when it comes like this whole Avengers thing, we like we said, you know, Joey said, yeah, he enjoyed it, he liked it, but would he ever watch it again? No. Did he have his problems with it? Yes. But it's oh, that's okay. And I think people need to understand that. It's all right to have an opinion, and I, I just don't know. You know, it's okay to have an opinion. It doesn't have to be you. You have to be in this corner, or you have to be in that corner. It doesn't have to be like that. So let's talk, and that's why I'm going to leave that. But listen, um, gentlemen, thank you again for being on the show, and I hope to have y'all back on real soon. No, for any time. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, man.
And that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com, where you can download previous episodes of this podcast, as well as Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic and John Carroll's The Carroll Chronicles. This podcast is also available on iTunes. The Black Box is also a member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes or the Forum for Geeks board, feel free to leave us a comment. You can also reach the podcast at blackboxpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next episode, dream big, hustle hard, and never stop.